Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we worship you. We thank you that we get to uh, sit under the proclamation of your word. And I pray that as we do that, as your word is being proclaimed, uh, your name would be glorified, that you, Lord Jesus, would be worshipped, that your people would be edified, and that those who are lost would be evangelized through the proclamation of the gospel. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, do your work among us as we do that this morning for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, the book of Psalms. We're going to be in chapter 10. And as you do that, as you look uh, for chapter 10 in your Bibles, let me illustrate Psalm 10 in this way. Psalm 10 it looks like an U-shape. It is originally part of Psalm 9. It is, uh, in a sense, an acrostic. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, the first letters of the Hebrew alphabet, 22 letters, uh, the first 11 letters of the Hebrew alphabet are found in chapter 9. The other 11 letters of the Hebrew Alphabet are found in Psalm 10. And in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, these two Psalms, Psalm 9 and Psalm chapter 10, the one that we're going to study together today, uh, those two are found together. And so what David is going to do in Psalm chapter 10, David is going to take us through a journey through the valley. So David, in Psalm chapter 10, is going to take us from point A to point B in Psalm chapter 10. And this is crucial because Psalm 10 uh, is going to show us that some of you are right here in point A. Everything is going well for you. Uh, health. Marriage is good. School, there's money. Um, you sleep well. The lockdown has been a blessing to your family. That's some of you right here in point number A. Some of you are not here, but in point B, right here. So point A doesn't describe you. You are in point B in the sense that you have come out of the valley. You went through the valley, but right now you are out of the valley. God has strengthened you. You have seen the light at the end of the tunnel. The storm is over. But some of you may be even here. You're not in point A and you're not in point B, but you are still in the valley. Let me read um, verse 1. And this is describing those who are here in the valley. And verse 1 of Psalm 10 says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Maybe that is you. You're suffering. Or someone that you love is suffering, is going through a trial. The valley could mean an illness, maybe the loss of a child. Maybe the, the valley for you is physical or emotional abuse, financial hardship. 
It was a friendship that would never be the same again. Different points that Psalm 10 is describing. It's describing the reality of suffering. And suffering um, tests our confidence, our trust in God. So Maybe you're going through the valley. And maybe you are going into the valley. Or maybe you are going out of the valley right now. So Psalm 10 is describing in one way or another the Christian experience. What we go through at different points. Our lives in different stages. So what Dave is going to show us in Psalm 10, in the first half of Psalm 10, uh, David is going to wonder, where is God? Now the second half of the psalm is going to be the answer to your troubled heart. David, and I pray that you as well, is going to remember, and this is the title of the message, that the Lord is king forever. The Lord is king forever. So three points. Number one, uh, we're going to see first in verses 1 through 11 that David is perplexed. Uh, David is perplexed. He's puzzled. But puzzled by what? Well, apparently, God is, was hiding when his people needed him most. Look at verse 1. It's describing uh, David's per- perplexity. And verses 2 through 11 is describing the reality of evil, the reality of a broken world, the reality of pain and suffering, the reality of injustice. And therefore, the heart of David has begun to fail. This is a psalm of lament. This is an honest cry for a redeemer. Now, the psalms of lament, they contain a crucial ingredient for our lives. And that is that God provides timely grace for what we face daily. Because He is King forever. So if you're sitting next to someone, tell the person next to you that is good news. So from a human perspective, what confused David was that apparently the wicked always prospered. Look at verse 5. He says in verse 5 that the wicked, his ways prospers at all times. And in verse 6, the wicked says to himself, I would not be moved. Through all the generations, I would not be in adversity. And in verse 10, we see that the helpless are crushed. That's a reality in the world. Sometimes God's people suffer in the hands of the wicked. So in the world, there are two types of people. Unbelievers and believers. Either you are on the path of life. Or on the one that leads to hell. Um, Either you are saved or you are without eternal life. The question is, which one of the two are you? And unbelievers, 
What we see here in verses 1 through 11 um, have come to the wrong conclusion that God does not exist. Why? Well, they say that because they, they, they don't see God immediately intervening and on behalf of his people when they are suffering or when they are being unjustly afflicted. Look at verse 11. That's the conclusion of those who have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he says, the unbeliever in his heart in verse 11. God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He would never see it. All the pain, all the suffering that we go through. He says in his heart, God would not call to account. You know, the wicked says in his heart, I don't have to give an account to God because God doesn't exist. And if he does exist, there's no such thing as a final judgment. The wicked says God doesn't care. The wicked believe that he or she is free from God's dominion. That, yeah, the Lord is kin forever. But that's just for believers. That doesn't affect me as an unbeliever. That's okay for people to go to church, but I, 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 that's, no, that's not for me. And the wicked believe that they are free from God's dominion and that they can choose to do whatever they want to do without any consequences. But now David remembers that that's not true. So now he turns his, his eyes... His attention to God instead of the unbelievers, what they do, instead of the circumstances of what we can be going through at the moments. He turns his eyes from, from the valley to the Lord, to the King who reigns forever and ever. The question is, how, how do we deal with anxiety? How do we... Uh, calibrate when we feel perplexed and disoriented when we are here in the valley what do we do what do we do well we can illustrate that by diving and i'm sure that uh at hope ottawa you do a lot of diving and here in florida we have um the gulf of mexico and then we have also the atlantic ocean and the caribbean and there's a lot of diving uh, taking place in the state of florida here in Miami and one of the interesting thing about diving is that when you're taking lessons and when you're learning how to dive uh, sometimes when you are in the water down there you get disoriented and what the instructors do to help those who are disoriented at that moment because when you are disoriented you don't know which way is up which way is down which way is east or west, um, what they do is the instructor, instead of grabbing you and taking you up to the surface, what they do is to help you get oriented again and to know where you are and which way is up, they grab you and they take you all the way to the bottom. And it is when you hit Rock bottom is when your feet are on the rock 
that's when you realize which way is up. And it, the same is true for us, for believers. When we are disoriented, when we, when we are going through a valley, what's going to help us, what's going to calibrate us, what's going to, again, give us a hope and know which way is up is when we stand upon the rock. And the rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what David does here. David now turns his eyes from the valley and he puts his gaze upon the Lord. Now, now David makes a request to God. Now he's focused on the Lord, on the king that reigns forever and ever. Now, we see that in verses 12 through 15, and we're going to see the petition. That's point number two. We have seen already um, that David is perplexed. Now we see David uh, praying. He's praying right now. His petition to the Lord. Uh, look at verse 12. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Now, in contrast to verse 1, David is questioning God no more. Why? Because he has remembered that the Lord, that he mentions in, in verse 1, look at verse 1, why, O Lord, now, he has remembered that the same Lord is God. Look at verse 12. Arise, O Lord, O God. Break the arm of the wicked. In verse 15, he says, Break the arm of the evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. To the church of the living God, to you, to us, for the church during difficult times, this psalm, Psalm 10, furnishes the appropriate language for prayer and praise. For prayer and praise. And I know that you guys are going to be praying this Wednesday, July 21st. And what a great opportunity for you as church to come together in prayer to put your eyes upon the kin of kin, the kin that reigns forever. And to do what David did here, to petition to the Lord to work on behalf of his people for his glory and our benefit. So David asks God to intervene on behalf of those who are his. And David does that because he knows that God is omnipotent. David knew that not only God had the power to work on behalf of his people, but also David is praying because David knows that God knows everything, that nothing escapes the omniscience of God. That God was aware of the suffering of his people. Look at verse 14. You have seen it. You have seen it. Here in the valley, God sees it. You have looked our harm and provocation to take it into your hand. 
David knew that God sees the suffering of his people. And now he is praying to God. The one who has the power and the one that knows. You know, no one has seen you cry as God has seen you cry. Sometimes we're going through the valley and we go to church. And we park in the parking lot and we try to compose ourselves before going into the building. And people don't know that you're going through the valley. You can pretend that that happens uh, at work. That happens with our family. Even with uh, our small group leaders, our pastors. We pretend that we don't say anything. But God sees you. And He knows your suffering. And what, when that is happening, we should come to the Lord in prayer. In Psalm 56, 8 says that God has taken account of your miseries. He has put your tears in his bottle. And the psalmist says, are they not in your books, in your book? God sees your affliction. And we find strength for life, not when we have everything under control. We find strength in the valley when we remember that God has everything under control. That He is king forever and ever. We find strength for life when we turn to the Lord through prayer. And in the passage, there's a now and an after. Look at verse 17. Because God can work in your life now. In verse 17, it says, You would strengthen their hearts. You would incline your ear. That was a great spot for an amen. That is God. God could strengthen those who are in the valley or going into the valley or going out of the valley. That's our God. That's His work among His people. But there's also, and surely, an after. That God will vindicate his own in the end. In verse 18 says to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed. So when we change our gaze from situations and we place our gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when despairs turns to hope. That's when discouragement turns to into optimism. When we place our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that's when anxiety becomes trust. That's when confusion becomes confidence. That's when perplexity becomes praise. Because God's people have God's promises. And in the last section of Psalm 10, we find exactly that. Promise. Verses 16 through 18, we see a promise that God, and that's point number three in the last point in my outline. We have seen already um, David perplexed. Now we have seen David praying to the Lord, his petition. And now we see David uh, remembering uh, God's promises. We see a promise here that God will defeat and destroy forever. Go ahead and say forever. Forever, the evil that rises up against his people. What guarantees the victory for the people of God is that the Lord is 
can forever. Look at verse 16. It says, The Lord is king forever and ever. And Colossians 3, 1 says that Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. You know, nations come and go. But God's reign is eternal. God's reign is never in danger of disappearing or in danger of being defeated. Because Christ is king forever and ever, he would do justice to the fatherless, verse 18, and to the oppressed, so that men who is of the earth may strike terror no more. So suffering would be no more. Tears, pain, abuse, death, regret, and or loss would be no more. In Romans 15, 4, we read that uh, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So God has promised to eliminate evil, sin, death, and the devil forever because he is kin. Jesus is kin and he will vindicate all of those who have trusted in him, who has placed faith in him, who have loved him and served him. In 2 Peter 2.9, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from a trial, from the valley, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. So verse 18 closes with giving us a window into the future. And the window is revealing that for the wicked, the future is tribulation and anguish. Now the good news is for those, for the believers, those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, the future is immortality and eternal life. So Jesus would do both. He will be the judge for his enemies and he will be the justifier for those who through faith confessed him as Lord and Savior. For, so for his enemies, Jesus would be a lion. And for his people, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But now, you have to remember that you have to believe in him in order to benefit from the kingdom of God. You have to trust in him by faith Trust in the King today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't delay that for tomorrow. Today is the day for you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you haven't believed in Him, today is the day to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. To eat the bread of heaven. To trust in the light of the world. To drink from the fountain of living waters. It is not enough to see the bread. It is not enough to... To touch the bread of life. It is not enough to smell the bread. You have to eat the bread. You have to appropriate the bread of life by faith in the Lord Jesus. You have to do that, you have to do that today with urgency. Why? Because what happens after death depends on what happens in your life before death. You know, there's... Um, there's a cemetery in Northern Ireland with an inscription that reads the following. 
this is a place where many travelers go, come and go and it reads like this and it says, stop traveler and pay attention. Like you, I was too. Get ready now without further delay because youth and time disappear. So today is the day of salvation. Derek Thomas said once that there is no evangelism after death. Where you are after you die is where you will be forever. And you have to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in order for you to have eternal life. In order for you to say like David in Psalm 10 that the Lord is king forever. And I close with this. Um, here in Florida, we have a lot of hiking. Um, there's a national park called the Everglades National Park. And people go hiking there a lot. Uh, so there's a story of two, two men that were hiking and they were going through a, a trail. Um, and in this trail, they, they found a mountain lion. And they knew at that moment that they were in trouble. So one of the guys, from his backpack, he gets his running shoes. And he starts changing his shoes and putting on his running shoes. And his friends is looking at him and he says, Hey, don't you know that you won't be able to outrun that mountain lion with those running shoes? And his friends that is putting on his running shoes looks at him and says, I know. I know that with these running shoes, I won't be able to outrun the mountain lion. I just have to outrun you. You know, thank, thank God that our Lord Jesus Christ is not like that friend that sees dangers and runs away. Our Savior came down from heaven to face death and to face sin and the devil and to conquer us the king of kings in order for us to be able to have life in his name. He saw the danger that uh, we were facing, that we were doomed, that we were without hope. And he came to do for us what we were not able to do for ourselves. And now through his blood, he redeemed people for his name and those who have trusted in him as lord and savior can even in the midst of trial remember that he is king that even if i am in point a it is because of his grace maybe everything is going well or, or and even if i'm going through the valley i could re i can remember that he will lead me to point b because he is king the lord is king forever let us pray father what a joy it is to remember that you are our king that you lord jesus you are and only you have hope for us we pray lord for those who are going through a trial right now that you would strengthen them and i give you thanks for those who are um in a good season of life. Uh, it is because of your grace. Uh, but um, 
no matter where we find ourselves, either out of the valley or going through the valley or coming out of the valley, we, could tr we can trust in you because you are the king of kings. And I pray that you would bless my brothers and sisters at Hope Ottawa, that you would bless them and that you would continue to do your work among them for your glory and bless Pastor Ray and uh, the leadership of the church for your glory. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus.